You're listening to the Roaring Repeater Podcast on 7220sports.com. Here's Cody. Jared, I never in a million years thought I would be part of this debate. And I'm, I got to admit, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about it. Um, because radio hosts around the country have made it through segments year after year harping on this stupid subject. That's part of the reason I'm embarrassed. The second part is I cannot stand the NBA on any level. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what debate I'm about to talk about? I think I do. <laughs> this would never come out of my mouth. I am, like I said, I'm embarrassed. We're going to talk about the Jordan-LeBron debate. Because last night, Kyle put on the last dance. And I know I'm late to the party. This thing's been out since 2020. But I watched the last dance last night. All ten episodes. Are people out of their minds? There's no debate. Michael Jordan was unreal. And it's two different games. Uh, night and day. Yeah. I didn't hate the NBA when yeah. Michael Jordan played. I actually thought you were going to talk about Ja Morant th- pulling out a gun <laughs> in a strip club. but <laughs> Well, that sucks too. <laughs> Just because he wants to fit in with the culture. Yeah. Well, I've been but to anyway. Memphis, as you know. Uh, that, that might be the culture. <laughs> Real quick before we finish that, you're going to hear a lot of construction noise. Yes, we're still in a makeshift studio. And they're actually working today. A lot. So, yeah, you're going to hear saws. You're going to hear banging. But it's just act like we're in a sports bar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it, for those of you who haven't watched The Last Dance, and I don't know oh, if you have. Fascinating. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is he amazing or what? I, I love that every little slight pisses him off so much, and he uses that as, like, Bobby Boucher tackling fuel, and he just he just emasculates people. And then he tells you about it the whole time he's doing it. And then, like, something last night was great when they knocked out the Pacers in Game 7 and 98 or whatever. Larry Bird comes up to shake his hand, and he still calls him a pussy and, and <laughs> says, hey, you better work on your golf game because you're next on the golf course. <laughs> well, the golf stuff is fascinating. He, one day he played 36 holes Wow! and went to a playoff game. That's incredible. 36 holes. I mean, yes, you're riding in a cart. You're not walking. 36 holes still takes it out of you. That's a ton. And you're going to go run for 48 minutes. So would you look at something like that nowadays, which would never fly? He, he kind of played at the end of his career where things started to go viral and all that kind of stuff. Like during the finals, the Eastern Conference finals, I, he jilted off to Atlantic City and went gambling with yep. his father. And that turned into a huge story. I think nowadays, if, imagine if Josh Allen went and did that before a Monday night game or something like that. Well, it was several years ago when Romo was still playing for the Dallas Cowboys. He and Witten... And somebody else went to Cabo during the wild card weekend. They had they had got a buy, and they went down there and partied for a weekend, and they came back and lost, and it was all over the place. As a fan, does that? I'd be furious if my best player was uh, absolutely because like why don't that. you wait two or three or four more weeks? Yeah, go then. Yeah, I mean, even MJ though going to Atlantic City, I'd be like. Ugh. Because it doesn't look good. Maybe yeah. it's the Atlantic. If you said Dad and I went to Gettysburg, maybe it'd be different. Or Dad and I went to the Delaware Shore or something like that. Yeah. But Atlantic City, yeah. when everybody knows what a gambler you are. And just like John Rott, stay out of the strip clubs. Yes. And especially with your posse <laughs> and a gun. Yeah. Oh, it's, anyway. It's frustrating. You know, we talk about that a lot. Uh, uh, 
uh, Ja'Cory Hawkins, who, who plays cornerback for the Cowboys, his teammate in high school was Henry Ruggs. And Henry Ruggs is the sad telltale story of a professional athlete that just made the most unbelievable bonehead decision of all time. Yep. Oh, by the way, across uh, my email right now, some breaking news. Hunter Maldonado named All-Mountain West Conference by the media. He earned second team honors. I don't think that's far off. No, I don't either. I mean, you knew most likely they could never vote in a first-team player from a last-place team. Yeah. They're just – it wasn't going to happen. And let's be real, Maldo didn't have a great start to the season. Uh, I think he was also more so than probably anybody adjusting to life without Graham E.K. Uh, we saw what Graham did for him and what he did for Graham. And if Maldo had 20 and 10 and 8 against San Diego State, it would have been different, but he did not. So. No. Rough outing for him. Uh, good segue into the San Diego State game. We're not going to talk a lot about that. Uh, yeah, that, that one's out the window. <laughs> it's season part two right now. Uh Cowboys are really lucky, Jared, that uh, the San Diego State Aztecs did not have one of their better shooting days, um, not to mention the Cowboys gave up 13 offensive rebounds, and that's just a recipe for disaster against that team in that building, and it really snowballed on them. But uh, the Cowboys kept it pretty close throughout. But, uh, man, San Diego State's defense, they just they zeroed in on Hunter, and he didn't have a shot. And that's not to say he had a bad game. He had a bad game offensively, but not when it came to doing all the uh, dirty work that he's known for and all the uh, gritty stuff. He was still very much about that. But. Yeah, they never let it get out of hand by any means, no. but it was they were never within reach either. It didn't <laughs> seem like. When you're watching it, you were like, this is a 30-point game. Wow, it's only a 12-point game? How? They did cover. Yeah, <laughs> the fifteen and a half point spread, and it was what they lost by seventeen. So, yeah, I got a, a, a tweeted at last night by a concerned Wyoming fan who uh, uh, the show, which is San Diego State's <clears throat> student section, which is um, not uh, my favorite student section by a long shot. Uh, they are very loud, if you know what I mean, online and in person, and not in a good way. Uh, they're already doing a countdown of sorts to when Graham E.K. gets in the transfer portal, and they want him. <laughs> they made a pitch last night for Graham E.K. on Twitter, <clears throat> which would be so gross. But I, th- I can't help but think about it, Jared, if you're Graham E.K. Because San Diego State lost eight dudes. Eight guys walked I, on Saturday night. I mean, we don't want to get into the debate if he's leaving, if he's not. But if he does, I don't think he's going in conference. Yeah, I mean he doesn't need to. No. Uh, but but that's really a big question coming up here, Jared. You know, with the with the conference tournament right here around the corner. Of course, the Cowgirls play San Jose State tonight. Uh, that's a real question, and it's a question that's probably going to be answered sooner rather than later. Who is going to be left? I would think that there will be some news come Thursday and or Friday, depending on how the Cowboys end the season, or yeah. if it's Saturday. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's, it's Sunday. It's a, it's a possibility, but um, definitely by the end of the week and probably early part of next week, you'll you, you'll see and hear some stuff. Yeah, that mandate is about to get ripped off, folks. You're about to be really happy or really pissed off by this uh, by week's end. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can't lie, Jared. I want uh, I want Graham E.K. back. He, uh, he is such 
aside from all the stuff you guys see on the court, which is fantastic, he's just an unbelievable human being and uh, so articulate and such a good guy. And that kid's going places. I I don't know how what his ceiling is. I don't know where he ends up, but he's just a he's just a model human being, and that's what makes me <clears throat> lean toward him coming back. It really does because I feel like that guy can see the forest through the trees. He sure comes off that way anyway. But then again, when you suffer an injury that was obviously season-ending and career-altering, maybe that's what makes up his mind, and maybe he doesn't go back to college at all. Maybe this is where he's like, I need to jump now, or I'm never going to be able to showcase what I can do, and let's be real, make money at the next level. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it's time for, and I think that's going to hurt Wyoming fans much less if he decides this is it for me in college. If he goes to another college... It's going to be hard to swallow in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, are you, how pissed off are you if Graham E.K. leaves and next week signs with Bill Self and is at the University of Kansas? Not at all. It's hard to be mad, but it's, it's also... Yeah, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but I'm not going to be mad at him for leaving and giving himself an opportunity and his family an opportunity to play at that... Really, it's the next level. The Big 12 is the best conference in the country. Yeah. Um, and and to do that night in and night out there, or if he just jumps ship and goes overseas and starts cashing a check, yeah, not going to be upset whatsoever. I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset with him, but I think it would show and start hammering home that point that that narrative so many Wyoming fans have that look, this is going to be a farm team. Yep. Anytime somebody comes here and kicks ass, they're going to get they're going to get pulled away. And I hate that narrative more than anything, and I want to see it bucked. I, and I don't think we've seen it necessarily yet, aside from maybe Isaiah Nair, maybe Marcus Williams a little bit. But I don't think we've seen where it's turned into necessarily a farm team by any stretch. But Graham E.K. is a special, special talent that doesn't come around very often. Going back to Maldo, sorry to change. Yo, going back good. to that. Being named second team today by the media. Was Aguan Paulo or Ethan Anderson named newcomer of the preseason newcomer of the year? <laughs> no. No. Back in the preseason, though. I don't think so. I don't know. You might check that, but I, I don't think so. I thought one of them was. Because I think if they were, I would have probably been harping on that in every story I wrote that this guy was supposed to be the conference newcomer of the year. Well, maybe I shouldn't have brought that up. And and the reason, too, why I don't think it is is because the transfer thing is so prevalent now. You know, UNLV, for instance, brought in a ton of transfers. Uh, EJ Harkless. uh, I I haven't even seen the full full, uh, list of who made all conference and all that, but EJ Harkless has to be the newcomer of the year. I don't, I don't, I don't. This was his first year at UNLV, I'm pretty certain. Okay, the preseason all-Mountain West team was Isaiah Stevens, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Matt Bradley, Graham E.K., and Hunter Maldonado. And that is slam dunk to me, if all goes If all goes, yeah, absolutely. Um, the player of the year, of course, was E.K., newcomer of the year, Trammell from San Diego State, so he was a transfer. And he might have won it. They might have put that, press, that full press release out by now, who actually, since I got that Maldonado news... And Joseph Hunter was going to be the freshman of the year. Sorry for even bringing that up, folks. Well, in the freshman of the year, I believe, is a kid out of Air Force. Um, name has totally slipped my mind. But 
Well, just check out 7220 Sports, <laughs> and the full release will be there soon. But that's a segue to the women's side real quick. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Allison Fertig and yep. Quinn Whiteman, all-conference team players for your Cowgirls. And then uh, Melanie Peterson uh, was the freshman of the year. Yeah. Uh, her name came up about every week as the freshman of the week. I think she, I think she garnered six of those during the regular season, so... These cowgirls, man, they just keep churning them out, don't they? They don't. They just don't change. There's no drastic shifts with that program. And there's no secret to the offense they're running. Yeah. They just executed at a high level, and now they have a true big in the middle in Allison Fertig yeah. that does damage in the paint, too. How much of that has to do with just keeping this coaching staff? A lot. I mean, just they're just... I mean, Joe Ligurski instituted the, the motion offense and the three-point shooting. Um, and and the fan support back when he was hired in the early 2000s, and it's just stayed consistent with Gerald Mattinson yep. and now the current staff. And, yep. and I really think there could have been, uh, for the in, the interim coach. Yeah, Ryan there, Larson. Yeah. yeah, Ryan Larson. There could have been a, a big push for him to be coach of the year yeah. <laughs> for what he did. No doubt. Heather Rizell should be. This staff should be. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, I, I'm sure UNLV is going to run away with a little bit of everything yeah, on that side. They, they went undefeated a, in the conference. Yeah, they had so, a great year. Yeah. Uh, and really, the Cowgirls were the only team that gave them any sort of trouble, and Just, that was in Vegas. Yeah. Yep. So, better hope for the same this week. They, uh, if all goes to plan, could be UNLV in Wyoming on Wednesday inside the Thomas and Mack Center. So, um, would be nice. Would be fun to see. Um Let's get into uh, let's get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, since the last time we were on the air, uh, Jared, the uh, University of Wyoming Athletics Intercollegiate Hall of Fame named their 2023 class. Uh, Larry Nance arguably headlines this class. Uh, of course, Larry still plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, just a dynamic player when he was here, who unfortunately dealt with some injuries and some illnesses. Was kissing Hunter Thompson, apparently. <laughs> At least for one year, uh, but what a dynamic player he was on both Folks, ends. Folks, that of the was floor. a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No comments, please. <laughs> I hope you would know that was a joke. Uh, but yeah, uh, really dynamic player. I think he's a slam dunk. But what's interesting, Jared, is you've been on this committee and you know kind of the inner workings of it. And I know every time you put out a story like this, fans are sure to go. But what about this guy? And what about this lady? And can you kind of take us behind the scenes a little bit about how this Hall of Fame stuff all works? Well, absolutely. First of all, they have to be nominated. And some people will throw names out of players like, why isn't this person in? Why isn't this? Well, they haven't even been nominated yet. So, Which I assume is an easy process. You can probably very, write an email that just says, what about this guy? It's a very easy process. There is information on wyohof.com, and you can actually find it off the gowyo.com website just under the Hall of Fame, but they have a standalone website, and you send in a letter of nomination to the, to the committee. And then it's automatically put in. They'll vet it first to make sure that they actually qualify. But there are not everybody can get into the Hall of Fame just because they played at the University of Wyoming. They have to, um, you know, it's the, the induction is going to be based on their accomplishments while at Wyoming on the playing field and or in the classroom. And here are some examples. Earned at least two varsity letters. 
have achieved recognition in the conference region or the national or international level, be a former or current record holder at any of these levels, and have demonstrated leadership on their team while at Wyoming, like as a team captain, other or other um, qualifications. Uh, and specific examples of recognitions would be all conference first team, all district first team, all American first, second team honorable mention, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. NCA qualifiers, um, you know, in those individual Olympic sports and things like that. Um, Olympic qualifier. I mean, Scott Usher was probably going to get anyway, but being an, on the Olympic swim team, that put him over the edge. Sure. Of course. So, so is that something because you have to wait 10 years, right, until you're, once you're done? Yes. So the rules are now, when I was on the committee, um, it was five. And actually, when I was there, we voted to make it 10. Um, just because if you're, if you're going in within five years, that means you are – an absolute stud. <laughs> Some of your teammates might still be on the roster. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, those folks are young enough to where that's why we made it 10 to make sure some of the older people were going to get in before they were deceased and or maybe you, you, you hear every once in a while, well, so-and-so is in pretty bad shape. I know that he's probably going to get at some point. Can you hurry it up and get him in this year so he can enjoy it? Right, <laughs> Type right. of deal. Uh, but there is an exemption. I, I found this out because when Larry Nance gets in, he's only been out six years. Right. So there's an exemption now that they can vote one select selectee in. Each? With each class? Each class, okay. yeah. They can, they can select one in that's between five and ten years. So that's why you're seeing a Larry Nance Jr. being selected in his sixth year. Well, we also got Aubrey Vandeveer. Uh, of course, her dad, Sean, is the is an assistant on the Cowboys basketball staff, has been for about the last 45 and a half years. And Aubrey, she was a different player than you see today. And and I don't want to mean say this in a bad way. She kind of plays that older person at the YMCA back you in, like a Hunter Maldonado did last year. Mm-hmm back you in and you couldn't stop her (laughs) she was alone (laughs) she was and she turned around and make shots and she you know she was a conference player of the year all that kind of stuff so she is so well deserving three-time all mountain west and uh she was fun to watch yep and she led she helped lead that wnit championship run so uh she fits she hits all the boxes absolutely and then you got the 68 69 WAC champion men's basketball team of course that team led by first team Players like Carl Ashley and Harry Hall and Stan Dodds, which uh, after doing that uh, jersey number who wore it best last summer, I really got to read and write about these guys. And that's why, selfishly, I love doing those kind of features during the summer because I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. Carl Ashley was awesome. And Bill Lazari's on that team, too. And his daughter ended up playing for the Cowgirls. Nice. And then Eli Bebout's on that team. And yep. everybody in Wyoming knows the Bebow name, of course. Yeah. Um, so and Bill Stranigan, uh, the head coach of that coach team, by, yeah. uh, was at CSU. Imagine, uh, imagine in the day and age of the media now and social media, <laughs> if CSU's coach comes to Wyoming, which I love Jeff Winder. Don't take it that way, but I really was hoping the Cowboys would make a push for Tim Miles, who was just sitting at home, and now look what he's doing at San Jose State. Cal's going to take him and. I, I'm eating a lot of crow with Tim, and I'm glad I'm not going to Vegas this week because I'd probably run into him and have that same conversation I had with him last year saying, why weren't you considered for Wyoming? He goes, I told Tom early in the process, don't even talk to me because I'm not going to do it. He, he couldn't do that to himself 
because being of CSU? at CSU. Okay. And he goes, you got to respect. He that. also said he knows how hard of a job it is too. Yeah. And I said, well, you're at San Jose State. That's the most difficult job in the conference. And he goes, you just wait. Yeah. Look what they did. Boy, he's proven everybody wrong. They had a 20-point comeback at Clune Arena the other day to cap their regular season with 19 wins. Mm-hmm. Ten wins in the Mountain West Conference. San Jose State does not do that. They were arguably one of the bottom 20 teams in America last year. Easy. And you're talking 360-some teams. And he got Amari Moore to come back. Uh, he really has done a masterful job. Yeah. If he wasn't named the coach of the year, uh, something's wrong. And there's a lot of candidates. Uh, a lot of these guys, Utah State. Utah State wasn't supposed to do what they were doing this year. No. Nope. Leon Rice, even with Boise State, they weren't. They lost some serious firepower, and here they are. This would not surprise me one bit if there was like a three-way tie for Coach of the Year. Yeah. Just because that's what this conference does. Yeah. Well, and Dutcher just keeps doing it. Yeah, you can't vote him in again. <laughs> they should give it to Jeff Linder after all he's gone through. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to see if any other coach in this league could have got as much out of the team that went through what they went through. Yep, no kidding. And, and what they continue to go through. But we'll talk more about Linder here in a minute. But uh, I want to go through the rest of these uh, Hall of Fame candidates. Or not candidates, Hall of Fame Fameurs. Uh, which, by the way, congratulations to these teams. Back-to-back WAC champion wrestling teams, 1984 to 85, 85 to 86. And usually you're going to get one team put in at a time, kind of like the 87 and 88 back-to-back football championships. They separated them because there was enough players that were different. Yeah. These wrestling teams, I want to say eight out of the ten wrestlers were the same. So they were like, let's just put them in together. And it, it makes sense, in my yeah. opinion. So I think they did a good job there. So not being a big wrestling guy, the one that sticks out to me is Joe DiCamillis. He's been a, a special teams coach in the NFL for 100 years. I don't know where he's at right now. Do you? I think he was Sandy, or in L.A. last time I knew. Yes, I do. Dang it. Uh, he's married to Dan Reeves' daughter, correct? correct. Yep. Okay, yeah. Well, he's, he filled in for Gary Kubiak, local fans might remember. When Gary was going through his medical issues when he was in Denver, Joe DiCamillis stepped in and was the – acting head coach for, I want to say, two or three weeks in place of Kubiak. And he's been with the Rams the last two seasons. Rams, right, because yep. he, he got a ring last year with the Rams. Yeah, That's and right. he, he was in a accident when he was with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the tent collapsed. Yeah, the with that tornado collapsed. that came through, yeah. That's right. Tough dude. I'm sure he, he still looks tough. Oh, yeah. You see him on the side. He wears that stupid visor, but his guns are always sticking out, and he looks tough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's your class right there. Um, Two more that you didn't mention were uh, Dabby Dawson. Oh, oh, I skipped those. Yeah, yeah. Dabby Dawson. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, junior college running back for in 1988 and 89. Great player. He's the first uh, back-to-back thousand-yard rusher in Cowboy history. And then Chad Lavin, women's basketball coach, um, who came here. He was at University of South Dakota, and then after he left Wyoming, he did go back to University of South Dakota for a while, and then and is in their Hall of Fame. And then he was an assistant at, yes, down the road at CSU for a while uh, for his good friend down there. But um, Chad is one of the best human beings you could ever meet. Yeah. He is such a good guy. And not only – I mean, if you look at his stats at Wyoming, you might question his why they're putting him in. Well, what he did for women's basketball – and girls basketball, not only in the state of Wyoming, but this entire region. Mm -hmm. He had the biggest team camps in the entire region. There was teams that came from all over the five-state region, and 
I got I was employed by Chad when I was in school helping uh, so-called run these camps I was more the social director because he would have uh, uh, coaches socials each night so I got to stock the bins <laughs> and I was Chad's personal driver for three days each week during these camps nice and it was just fun I got to meet some really quality people I was gonna say you probably just like him because he's from Clear Lake South Dakota well, that helps a little bit. But he introduced me to Grain Belt beer. I've never even heard of it. It's a Minnesota beer, but it's 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 a lot in the eastern side of South Dakota as well. <laughs> and it's kind of like PBR. You don't want it to get warm. <laughs> if it's cold, it's really good. But if it gets a little hint of warm in it, you just got to pour it out. Ugh, gross. Reading about Dabby Dawson, of course, I was really young when Dabby was the, was the running back for the Cowboys. And back then, you think a lot about the wide receivers, which is a guy who we want to bring up with the next question I have for you here. But uh, Dawson, something I find interesting, he founded and leads the LID Foundation Leaders in Development. That's aimed at providing resources to children who are aging out of the foster care system. So it's apparent that Dabby not only gets it done on the field, got it done off, and is doing really good things in the community. He is from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, that brings up the question, Jared, who, who's maybe a snub if that's the right word for it, that is not yet in the Wyoming Hall of Fame. First of all, how, how many are we talking on, like, the biggest year as far as nominations that come in? I mean, how many are we talking that you're sifting through? And is there a target number you want to stay around? Well, there's, a, there's over 100 nominees right now. Wow. In the book. I mean, you're talking about all sports. Um, but some of those, if you really sift through them, they don't qualify is it more friends nominating friends yeah and and some that they that you could um and some have been notified saying hey this person doesn't qualify so i'm really sorry some are just right there on the fine line of it um you brought up conrad dobler for instance yeah and i know he's been nominated for quite some time now um and i would have to look up his stats i mean obviously offense d lineman uh, back in the day, there really weren't a lot of stats because sacks weren't a stat when he played, and tackles for a losses weren't even a stat until 2000. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you look through the record book, you see a guy like Mitch Donnie who has 49 sacks. He's not in the top 10 for tackles for losses. And you see, like, John Fletcher is up there yeah. for tackles for losses. And uh, Patrick Chukwara and guys like that because it became a stat in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, and he was never – Conrad is my guy who I would pick as a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. And that's – like, you're, you're totally dead on. They don't keep those stats. Plus, he was never a first-team, second – I don't even know if they had second team and all that back then, but he was never an all-conference player. However, one of the words you mentioned was all-conference in the classroom. And I think that's where Conrad got it. He was – he was an academic guy at Wyoming. He was an all-conference member as far as that went. And, and when I interviewed him in 2020 or 2019, whatever it was, he was extremely proud of that. And he knew that he probably didn't have much of a chance to get first-team accolades on the field because he played two different spots. I mean, and those are two very demanding positions. You're playing Iron Man. Totally so agree there. That's tough. Yeah. It's – and some people, you know, it's – I mean, of course, you do have to catch the committee at the right time with the people that are supporting him and stuff like that. And I was, when I was on the committee for nine years, there were people that were voted in that we later found out 
had a criminal record. Yeah. And so we had to eliminate them for a while until we really dug in and found out more information of what these criminal you know, accusations and or if they're actually were one was in prison. We didn't even know it. Are you talking about possibly a linebacker from Hawaii? Oh, uh, that was one. <laughs> what a great career he had oh. too. Paul and, Nunu. And I the think man. they're still trying to figure out exactly what those accusations and what those you know yeah. charges were. And you guys are probably adding rules as you go. Like something like that comes to the to the surface and you're probably like, we better put a clause in here that uh, you're not a convicted murderer. Yeah, that that's. I'm not saying Paul Nunu was a murderer, yeah. by the way, but just being, just kidding. Yep. I know. I I totally. Yeah. <laughs> the bylaws are changed, and that's why they're they're meant to be changed for situations like this. Yeah. And there's a basketball player that they're looking at um, from the from the '60s as well mm-hmm. um, that has a criminal record that they didn't know about. And there's been people that have flat out turned the Hall of Fame down. They've turned the Hall of Fame down. Yeah. Really, just for their their personal beliefs about things. So, wow, I'm not going to name any names, but that that's incredible. That you know what? There it is. <laughs> so I tell you what, something that comes to mind that it really brings up Conrad Dobler as well is uh, I I saw this with my own eyes when I covered Michigan State University. Charles Rogers is arguably the best football player in the history of that school. I mean, just an incredible player and. The biggest story of my career was going to find Charles Rogers, and I found him in Fort Myers, Florida. Nobody had talked to him in 10 years. He was that typical tragic story of a guy who was drafted number two overall in the in the NFL draft and played like 15 games and drugs and off-the-field stuff derailed his career. Next thing you know, he's in and out of courtrooms, and he's spending more time in the courtrooms than he is in locker rooms. And yep. nobody had seen him. He was embarrassed, and, and I finally found him, and – he was a shell of himself, but he was not in the Michigan State Hall of Fame, and he wasn't because of the headlines he was making. But then, unfortunately, a couple of years after I met him and did the big story with him, he passed away of liver failure, and um, then he was voted. The next year, mm-hmm. he was voted, and now his name is on the facade inside Spartan Stadium where it always belonged. Uh, you wonder if a guy like Conrad Dobler gets a boost now that he passed away a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and what a not I know it's about what you did at Wyoming. Oh but, yeah. But what he did for the brand of Wyoming as far as he is Wyoming. Toughness, yep. beer commercials, uh shitting on Merlin Olson. That's Wyoming. Well, and I did I as we're sitting here speaking, he was never a all conference player, now first team. Yeah. They back in the those whack days they only put the first team people in. Uh, on here, but I think we can probably find if he was ever second team or all, all conference. I'm just looking at one list. Yeah, um, he was academic all conference his senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are special achievements that go to that. I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, there's only been three Wyoming players ever on the front cover of Sports Illustrated. Chuck and him, Finnis Dembo, and Josh Allen. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, four. Uh, Jim Kick. Oh, and Jim Kick. Yeah. He was on there with uh, yeah, Larry, Larry Zonka. Zonka. Yep. <clears throat> so. so Josh is going to bring up an interesting conversation when it comes his time because, you know, everybody loves him and rightfully so. But when you get down to the nut cutting, as they say, his yeah, numbers I, are not Casey Bramlett-like. I believe he was second team all-conference 
as a sophomore and honorable mention as a junior. Yeah. Um, his stats aren't the greatest, but I'm sure with everything he's done for the university. Uh, no brainer. It's a no brainer. He will get in at some point. I don't know when, but he, he will get in at some point. But I mean, if you're flip side of that and you're just Joe Blow quarterback, you know, John Gustin, and you put up those numbers, you're not getting in the Hall of Fame. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, not. yeah, I mean, it does weigh, and I, what I just read a little while ago about what you've done after. I mean, those those do weigh heavily um, on on what's going on with the Hall of Fame committee and everything, and it's it's not a it's not like it's the hardest job in the world by any means, but you do get some guff, you get a, you get some emails here and there. Of, I believe it about some stuff, but it it's not to the extent where you, you need to worry about it by any means. So I bet we see eight to ten Cowboy players, plus probably the team itself. The 2016 Cowboys, by 2025, I bet we see at least 10 players from that team and the team itself. 10 players? That's how many guys, if you think about it, on both sides of the ball, that's how many guys were all conference type, that's how many guys were in the NFL, that's how special that group was. And what I'm getting at is Craig Bull's recruiting. Oh, yeah. What he had on that on that team, when you go back and watch that 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 Mountain West Championship game against San Diego State, there were like 20 NFL players on the field. And it's so frustrating to think about, how was that defense so not great? I know. if You, <laughs> just, you want to move a defense from another year I know. to that team. And so it, badly. I mean, instead of 8-5, and five, it could have been 10-3. Imagine that 10 and three. 2016 offense going to 2017. Yeah. That's what was amazing about Josh coming back in the first place to me. I mean, you, you have no Brian Hill, no Chase Rullier, no no Tanner Gentry, no Jake Mulhart. Hollister. Hollister. Yeah. I mean, a couple offensive linemen. I mean, he came – C.J. Johnson was his top target. Yeah. So what he did in 2017 is nothing short of spectacular, honestly. So good Hall of Fame class. They're always going to be great. Yeah, so you're snub there. You talked about Conrad Dobler. There's yeah. a couple of guys that I – I don't want to say they're snubs because they've never been nominated. And that's family members not nominating them. That's teammates not nominating them and things like that. But there are a couple of players that I've thought about uh, recently um, that should – that are very deserving of it. Uh, but one that has been nominated that's been out for 15 years, he's sitting at third all-time tackler, this is Jim Talich. Jim Talich isn't in the Hall of Fame? What? A walk-on from Pine Bluffs, Wyoming, who was number two for a long, long time and a four until Andrew Wainer showed up. Yeah. I mean, he his freshman year, he goes into Nebraska, or the Cowboys going into Nebraska, playing number one in Nebraska. Jim had 10 tackles. I didn't even think about Jim because I thought there's no way in hell he wouldn't be in. Yeah. How? Just, it's easy and... And I, I say this because I've been there. It's easy to forget about certain people. Fall through the cracks. When you're, when you're sitting there flipping through the books. Yeah. And plus, he's young enough to where, oh, he's going to be around for a while. We're fine with Jim or whoever it may be. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I think I just added one to my vote as well. Conrad and Jim Talich. And you had another name. Tight end. Oh, yeah. I 
I'm not going to mention those guys yet until they're actually nominated. So, How about a guy like Sean Wiggins, who you talked about? He's up in Casper, stayed in Wyoming. Uh, son's a great track athlete. Not that that has anything to do with uh, you know nominating, but he is an educator, and he's been in this community forever. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to double-check here to make sure he's been nominated because I have the nomination list here. Oh, do you? sure many people would like to get a hold of that nomination list you're staring at right Sean now. Sean Wiggins has never been nominated either. And he was the first thousand yard receiver in yep. Wyoming history. But there are a lot of, I mean, look at those receivers on those teams when he was around. What, Anthony Sargent and James Loving? And um, and then Wiggy was, I think 90 was his senior year, because I think he was a three-year JC guy, if I'm not mistaken. But What about uh, like a Tom Kilpatrick, too, on that team? Is he... I think you were saying, isn't Jay Novacek the only tight end in Wyoming history? Who's on he this is. List? Now, Tom, as a tight end, probably would not you thinking qualify. But as a duo player, he was all conference as a punter. Mm-hmm. But he was a very, very solid tight end. Yeah. But he was never all conference as a tight end. Man, you could debate that all day long. So I'm just going to look up Wiggy real quick. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd want to be on that committee, to be honest with you. Sean was never a first-team all-whack player, but not saying that he wasn't a second or an honorable mention. I need to find those things out. Well, let's uh, bounce around here a little bit uh, since we've been on the air. Uh, Brian Hendricks, the new defensive ends coach at Wyoming, replacing Marty English. Real quick, why weren't we on the air last week? <laughs> how how was that new weight loss program that you got introduced to forcefully? It wasn't very fun, I must say. Uh, it's amazing. I, I never get sick, but now that I have a baby, I'm getting killed. Oh, wait till wait till she goes to school. Exactly. <laughs> All we do is take her to church and put her in the little room, and then next thing you know, we're all blowing out our diaper. It's brutal. <laughs> so that's oh, we I just on. had to bring that up. Sorry. <laughs> so I found it interesting. After our last time we were on, Brian Hendricks writes me and says, hey, thanks for the shout-out because I mentioned, hey, why don't you go get Brian Hendricks? He's been at Illinois State. He's a guy that Marty English went and got out of Burlington, Colorado. Uh, not only that, got him away from his complete CSU family, Dad and Grandpa, CSU football stars. He, I did a story with him years back where he said, you know, I, I, Marty English even told him to sleep on it, sleep on the idea. And he had just met with Sonny Lubick and went through the whole CSU shebang. And he was like, why am I – he laid in his bed and said, why am I sleeping on this? I, my heart is telling me to go to Wyoming. Why am I sleeping on this? He went downstairs and said, Mom, Dad, I got something to tell you. And he came to Wyoming. So – Long story short, uh, he writes me to say, great podcast. Thank you for, you know, the shout out and mentioning me and all that. And then like two days later, Brian Hendricks has announced the defensive ends coach at Wyoming. So I'm guessing he knew it. Yeah, I thought something was a little weird that Brian was writing me to say that. So uh, really good pick here. Check him off the list and not being a source for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) really really good player he was one of my favorites and I I always joked with him that you're lucky you wore number eight or you're lucky that Brian Hill changed his jersey number from eight to five or you would have never been on the who wore it best list Uh, but big number eight at linebacker he was about as solid as they got tougher than nails Uh, he's just to me the most perfect hire you could imagine at that spot he's going to do a fantastic job and you know I know this doesn't really get a lot of Wyoming fans excited but uh, the Cowboys did get a commit to flip from Illinois State this offseason, which is where Brian Hendricks was working. 
And uh, the Cowboys and Illinois State were in on a lot of the same guys. And Illinois State's coach used to coach at Wyoming as well, I believe, under Joe Tiller. Brock's back. Yeah. So they have some Wyoming flavor over there. So they know what kind of guys they're trying to identify at that program, which are the same kind of guys Wyoming's trying to identify. Speaking of tough dudes. Yeah. Brock Spack is a tough dude. He he was a linebacker at Purdue. Yeah. So Brian's Brian comes from good stock, and he's going to yeah. be. I, I just think he, that's a slam dunk hire. I think he's going to be fantastic in Laramie. And speaking of Brian, uh, real quick, the Cowboys in Colorado, which is just a group of Cowboy Joe Club members in Colorado, they have events down there. Cody, you've spoke you've yeah. spoken at it before and stuff like yeah. that. But on uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, uh, March twenty fifth at the Blake Street Tavern. In Denver, uh, they're going to be hosting a uh, breakfast slash uh, brunch at um, 11 a.m. And it's for uh, 2003 Cowboy Joe Club members. Um, for f- They can go for free and then $20 for non-members. And Brian Hendricks and Gordy Haug are going to be speaking at that event. Nice. So once again, March 25th, uh, check it out. Uh, you can follow uh, Cowboys in Colorado on Facebook. And you can get all that information there. Just contact the Cowboy Joe Club. Yeah, I might have to head down there for that. Uh, Brian's first class. Definitely want to say hi to him. Uh, was just a fan back when he played, but, man, he was good. And March 25th, isn't that going to be – oh, that'll be the second round of the NCAA tournament because Denver is the host site for first and second rounds. Mm. So, that I mean, it'll be the following weekend, I think. So, so I'll already be down there for Wyoming's first round of the yeah. NCAA tournament. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll swing by. Yep. <laughs> or, or you'll be a, a Nuggets game. Yeah, yeah, I am a Nuggets season ticket holder. Uh, Hendricks also coached, uh, unfortunately, right after his career, he went on to uh, coach a year at CSU under Marty English uh, as a grad assistant. But then he spent three seasons at Montana. You know what kind of tough, hard-nosed program that is as well. Uh, also spent some time at the Colorado School of Mines, smart kids. And uh, I see online on uh, social media, he's already uh, – Saying hi to recruits and and bringing in guys. They had Junior Day over in Laramie yesterday and or two days ago, and and uh, Brian's already uh, hit the ground running. So uh, I I don't know about you, Jared. I think some people look at a defensive ends coach as kind of a like why do you need a coach for the defensive ends? Why wouldn't there just be a defensive line coach? But I love it, man. And I think we saw last year such a brilliant guy like Marty English paid off when you only have to focus on the ends. Uh, that that shows you how important that position is. Yeah, when he's focusing on the ends, Oscar's focusing on the tackles, and as a whole, Jace Havel calls the defense. He has obviously a lot of um, – what's the word for it? Uh, a lot of one-on-one with these dudes. Yeah, and exactly, of- and, and Jay has a confidence yeah. in these guys that they're doing their job, so he can call anything yeah. on that defensive line, and they're going to – Yep. They're going to take it to heart and go get the job done. And when you get a guy in a quarterback's face, that is only good, aside from against Taylor Green in Boise State last year when they had nine hurries and didn't take him down one time. Didn't you say that you saw a picture of him? Taylor Green, yeah. yeah. He looks like Josh Allen. Like, I mean, he was already a big dude, but now he's a bigger dude. It looks like you put on about 20 LBs spring ball of, already. of uh, muscle. So, so the Cowboys will have their work cut out. That day in November. Yes, they will. And uh, another good segue there, Jared. Good job. Uh, Cowboys uh, Cowboys schedule came out this week, or last week. Jared, first thing you did was text me or call me and say you didn't like it. I don't like 
five home games in the first six weeks of the season. It's because it's hard enough for fans from, you know, say four hours and out or even three hours and out of Laramie to get there two consecutive weeks. Now it's five weeks, you know, coming to Laramie five times in six weeks. That's tough. And if you want to even count, if they want to go down to the Air Force game, that's right afterwards. Yeah. It's a lot of travel. But if you think about it on the flip side of that, this has serious potential to be good weather. So that's, I mean, let's be real. That's half the battle for fans who live across this state where they go. A big battle is the hotel room thing. That's a huge battle. Uh, And the travel in general. It's taxing, no doubt about it. I lived in New Orleans for a year, and I did the back and forth. It sucked. No doubt about it. It was tough. But, man, when the weather's good, yeah, that's a huge part of the battle. Huge part. And that's the time where, you know, if you get off to a good start here, Texas Tech is going to be sold out. You beat Texas Should Tech. Be. You beat Texas Tech. Um, you're going to be rolling in the right direction here, and that could lead to really, really good crowds. And I, I wrote about it. I consider, I consider it to be pretty much six, like you mentioned, Air Force. Six of the first seven games are at home. Because Wyoming fans can fill up Falcon Stadium in a hurry, too, and that's a quick trip. So, And you were saying the, the Pokes could be bowl eligible before their first bye. They could be. <laughs> they very well could be. And I know a lot of people aren't liking the schedule because they, they see Tech and they see Texas, and they're like, oh, God. I, I got to tell you guys, and I mentioned this to a few on Twitter, Wyoming's defense should be so good this year that they are going to keep you in some games. Yeah, it should be the elite defense in the conference for yeah, sure. It really should. So if you can hold down a Texas Tech and you can get a run game established, because let's be real, they're not nothing's changing as far as that goes that we know of, of course. Craig said he wants to throw it downfield more and all that, but we're not gonna believe that till we see it. And uh but if you can establish the line of scrimmage, why not? They beat Missouri. They mm-hmm. weren't supposed to beat Kelly Bryan in Missouri. And uh it sure didn't look like they were going to when Mizzou went up fourteen to nothing in the blink of an eye, but you know, you can turn things around in a hurry, and this Cowboys defense, to me, Jared, is going to be really special from top to bottom because, like we've talked about, by the end of last year, the starting defense, not the starters, but the defensive tackles that were playing a lot were Ethan Drews and Ben Florentine. So that defensive tackles unit is six deep already, and that was one of their strengths of their recruiting class. And, and they got guys who are already, they have the body, already to step in as freshmen and play that spot. If they, if everything else works out, um, but that that defense should be absolutely elite. And you're talking about we didn't see Buck Coors last year, we didn't see Malik Singleton last year, and we didn't see Sebastian Harsh last year, who was the talk of the offseason. And if he's as good as you don't hear Craig Bull talking about guys like that, he talked, he raved about Sebastian Harsh, and we've never even we've never even seen him line up at defensive end. Mm-hmm. So him coming back. And they really they lost Cam Stone, they lost Oluwasi Amoto Show, they lost what Keontae Glinton, who basically was Rook Brown to me had that job anyway yeah. at Nickel. So they are, are they're really salty. They should be really, 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 really good on that side of the ball, barring injuries. And there are red the guys who redshirted last year that we've never seen yeah. other than. You know, I guess we never have seen them because some of those they weren't there for the spring game. So this spring game coming up on April 29th, you're going to be able to see a lot of players that you haven't seen, and like a Buck Coors is going to be 100. percent Sebastian Hart's going to be 100. Uh, percent Cox 
Yeah, Keelan Cox. Yeah, yep. I mean, Didn't all see these guys. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch on April 29th. Yeah, so if you're coming into a gunfight with a defense like that, I, I like it. I don't look at Texas Tech as an automatic loss. No. Especially in Laramie. you gotta you got to think about it. It's likely going to be hotter than hell. It's likely going to be, uh, you know, a, a packed house, a jazzed house, <laughs> and it's elevation. And it's harder to play in elevation when it's hotter than hell than when it's colder than hell. And I hope that game does not get changed to a Friday night or a yes. Thursday night, but it could. You never know. That's the part that could screw some stuff yeah. up here. But as of now, everything's on a Saturday, which we know will change, but everything's on a Saturday. I love the Tech game. I love that that's at home. Portland State. It's time. I wrote, I wrote about this on 7220 Sports, <laughs> broke down a little bit of every game that they're playing this year. It's time to kick the shit out of the FCS team. Enough is enough. Don't let them hang around. Enough is enough. It's time to put one on them and feel really good about it. And then you go in and you take on Steve Sarkeesian, who I think we all still hate a lot, or maybe that's just me, uh, at Texas. And once again, you have that defense. Who the hell knows? I mean, and it's not only... The thing I love about the defense that I'm harping on, and I know a lot of fans say, well, if you're going three and out all the time, they're going to get tired. True, but not only does this, the defensive starters, are they spectacular, they finally have depth at and, almost every spot. And there's enough depth, so if there are some three and outs because of trying to go down the field, yeah, they can survive it. Yeah. Texas is going to be tough. It's oh, going to yeah. be really, really tough. And then App State comes in. Of course, they're the king of the upset. Uh, last year, they beat Texas A&M and Kyle Field. People say the Aggies were down. Maybe they were down because they got punched in the mouth by App State. That was early in the season, yeah, yeah and it, it knocked them off their pedestal yeah. for sure. North Carolina almost lost to App State in the opener. Then they turned around in front of College Game Day and beat Troy, who ended up winning the Sun Belt. Then things didn't go so well. They finished 6-6 six and six on the year. You're always a little worried about App State, right? I mean, you have to be. They're, they, oh, they've proven that they can do some stuff. And plus the pokes, I mean, that's they already have played, you know, three straight, mm-hmm. you know, and that Texas Tough game ones. can be emotional. You never know. Emotional and hot. Yeah, very, it's going to be very <laughs> Physical. Hot. But then you have New Mexico coming to town, and I'm not trying to slight New Mexico here, but once again, kick the shit out of the FCS team. Quit screwing around with New Mexico. And I swear to God, I'm not saying the Lobos are an FCS team, but that's how it's felt over the last few years where you're screwing around, screwing around with that team, punch them in the mouth. Then you have defending Mountain West champion Fresno State in town. They are losing all of their studs. All of them. Jake Kaner was special. I'm really interested to see where he's going to get drafted. And I know he's not the biggest dude in the world, but, man, that guy's good. Yeah, and they were a totally different team without him. Remember, they lost a UConn. They were not good at the beginning of the year once Solomon Bird rolled his ankle up. Yep. They were not good. And now... All of a sudden, they what bust off eight in a row, and they win the Mountain West. They go into Boise in the freezing cold and knock them off in the championship game. They are a really good team. Uh, they've lost a ton, and it's. I'm sorry, Fresno State can't just reload. It's not gonna. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, I love that game. I love Fresno coming to Laramie right there. And by the way, Wyoming hasn't scored a point against Fresno in the last two outings. <laughs> uh, so I have no idea where this confidence is coming from. Uh, no, I do. The defense. I think the defense. And the defense played well. Hayner didn't even throw for 100 yards in that game in 2021. Cowboys offense did nothing that day. But then you're at Air Force. You, you have to love. I know you talked about it too, and a lot of fans have. You'd like to have that bye week ahead of Air Force. But as we learned last year from Craig Bull and the staff, they start preparing for Air Force now in the spring. It's brilliant. 
because that's the only time you're going to see that team. Mm-hmm. And think about all these youngsters that just played against Air Force, a lot of them for the first time last year. They, that was the best game of the year last year yeah. by far. Would they hold them to 141 rushing yards? Yeah, it was close to that. That team rushes for 300-plus a game. Yeah, it was well under their average, of course. Yeah. And, and they just dominated both sides of the line of scrimmage during that game. They sure did. And it was really the first couple of drives you're like, all right, they set the tone. And the Cowboys came out throwing. Yep. They left Josh Cobbs. They gave him an eight-yard cushion on every play. Yep. Take advantage. Air Force doesn't change. That's going to be the same. Troy Calhoun just got an extension, in fact. So uh, Troy's going to be around for a while. Uh, but I... I'm never nervous that the Cowboys are going to lay an egg against Air Force. They they traditionally play that team so well. They have my entire life, yeah. and the, and it's what the the overall series I believe is thirty to twenty seven. That's a really really good game, and it doesn't matter where it's played. But then I like it. The Cowboys have the bye week the next week after Air Force after a tough grind them out game against Air Force. Then you get an off week. And an extra week to prepare for that game, which could be potentially massive at Boise State. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys have got to st- – every Mountain West team can say this, but the Cowboys have got to start winning this game. This game has not been – it's been 10 points or less the last five meetings. And, uh, you know, I know it's always too soon to talk about last year's game, but damn it. <laughs> yeah, they've had some chances. They've closed the gap. They have closed the gap, and it's time to go ahead and find out, figure out a way to win that game. Then you got Colorado State at home. Always love that game. I think CSU is going to be much improved this year. They did bring in, I want to say, 37 dudes in their recruiting class. So they're very young. They might not take a big, big step this year, but I think they're going to be better. Clay Millen was pretty damn good last year, considering that his offensive line was a sieve all year mm-hmm. long. <laughs> that dude was on the ground all year long. And uh, Torrey Horton's back. And to me, he's the most dynamic offensive player in the Mountain West Conference. I don't know if you have anybody else, but to me, Torrey Horton is... He's scary. He's scary as hell. Yeah. I can't believe... I thought he was scoring a touchdown before half last year in Fort Collins. My angle had him scoring. Thank God, Ja'Cory Hawkins <laughs> runs 23 miles per hour. Tad bit faster. <laughs> yeah. Then November 11th, uh, this, is your, this is your stretch run here, your November run. Colorado State at home at UNLV. Fans have not had a chance to go see UNLV's new stadium yet. Wyoming fans show up to that game in droves. Uh, if there's still a lot on the line, a lot to play for at that time, you have to think a lot of Cowboys fans are going to be there. It's Barry Odom's first year. Uh, of course, he was the coach at Mizzou when Wyoming beat Mizzou. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. But but he knows how physical Wyoming he, is because they smacked Mizzou around that day. They sure did. <clears throat> so you're playing at UNLV. Then you have Hawaii at home, and most would go, sweet, Hawaii, late November, awesome. Uh, that hasn't been awesome. Uh, the last few times. <laughs> I don't think many of you have forgotten the 2001 game where uh, Wyoming just got flat embarrassed at home by the uh, Rainbow Warriors. Then you're closing the season at Nevada. Nevada ended the season last year on a 10-game losing streak. They were an absolute disaster. Uh, they got off to a 2-0 start last year, if you remember. They beat Texas State. They beat New Mexico State. Uh, New Mexico State team that ended up winning a bowl game. Uh, so you thought, whoa, what's going on here? And then it really showed that they lost everybody to Colorado State in the offseason, and they had zero depth, and it was ugly for Nevada. So I don't mind one bit ending the season in Reno compared to you know last year ending the season with Boise State at home and then at Fresno State. Thanksgiving weekend at the uh, casino. Yep, absolutely. Buffet. Two trips in three weeks to Nevada. <laughs> we'll take it. And then, of course, December 2nd, Wyoming will be hosting 
the Mountain West Championship game inside War Memorial Stadium. Calling it now. Book it, Dano. <laughs> so I like it. I, I really like what they got here. Um, you talked me off my ledge. <laughs> chance to make some hay early, and I don't know. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I like the Texas State game a lot right off the bat because it, when your defense is that good, um, which they should be. Don't kill me if the Cowboys aren't good on defense right off the bat this year. But I really do think they have the potential to be really special. So, and Texas Tech, Tech, they're going to Texas Tech. They still throw it all over 300-plus yards. I believe they were number 22 overall in the country last year in uh, yards per game. So. And their lines are always big and physical. Yep. So they're still pretty good. But I like that game in Laramie a lot. So that is your 2023 Wyoming Cowboys football schedule. Uh, ready to get going in March 28th, opening of uh, spring football over in Laramie. So always excited for that. Uh, Mountain West Tournament, of course, this week. The Cowboys will kick things off Wednesday inside the Thompson Mac. They are the number 11 and final seed. They will take on New Mexico. The winner of that gets number three, Utah State. Thanks a lot, Nevada, for crapping the bed and losing <laughs> to UNLV. Uh, like that matchup. I do, too. New Mexico plays zero defense, and that was evident at Fort Collins on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, they busted a seven-team parlay, six were in, uh, for a friend of mine and another friend. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them the picks, actually. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, New Mexico, that's a good good addition to that. They were never in the game. They just – they, I shouldn't say they were never in the game. But you knew CSU was going to answer every time because New Mexico just will not play defense. Yeah, and New Mexico's weird, right? I mean, they started the year 12-0. and They've been in the top 25 twice. Wyoming goes in and embarrasses them in the pit. Then they turn around and put 90-plus on San Jose State on the road. That's a really good San Jose State yeah. team. They went and punched them right in the grill. I don't get it. They beat San Diego State this year. They are just... They're bizarre. They're a really bizarre team. And the last time the Cowboys played them, uh, asked Jeff Linder about it the other night. He brought it up. You know, obviously they didn't have Jalen House. He's a really dynamic guard. He's a really good player. So uh, but they did have him at CSU the other night, and he was kind of a non-factor. Well, and they did have him in Laramie, and they won by yeah. one. They squeaked out a one-point win in the in the conference opener. So I think you like that matchup. And then if you make it to round two on Thursday and you play Utah State. Cowboys played him pretty tough in Laramie, uh, but Utah State, you got to stop that Ashworth kid or he's going to end your night really quick. I just don't like the matchups for some reason. Against Utah State? Yeah, yeah. I just don't like them. I don't love it either. And then if they get past that, chances are they have Boise State Friday. Uh, <laughs> never really liked that matchup in general, um, even with EK and with everybody. I've never really loved that matchup. But uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It's going to be a good tournament, I think. Um I I, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys make it to week two or game number two. Um, I guess I, I wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't be earth-shattering. It, it wouldn't be like when Allen Edwards' team beat CSU in Nevada in the first two rounds a few years ago where we were like, what? Well, we hadn't even talked about that game. The, the Nevada, Nevada game. game when Wyoming yeah. just came out and smoked Nevada and Laramie for senior night, which yeah. was fun to watch. It was. It was a, and the atmosphere was fun. And, I mean – uh, Alford has lost to Wyoming six straight. Yeah. Cowboys have traditionally played them so well. 0-5 against Linder, and he lost to Allen's last team. Yep. 
in the, in the and Nevada term. was a number three seed yeah. that year. Cowboys won that game. I'll never forget that was the first year of seventy two twenty, and Casey was with me at the time, and he said. Hey, my wife and I are going to California to see her family. Do you want me to stop in Vegas and get a few pictures of Wyoming's loss tonight? I said, yeah, might as well get a couple. He stops by and goes, well, they won. I guess we'll stay the night and go tomorrow. <laughs> well, they won. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> so, yeah, and I remember that, too, because going, uh, did, they, did they give Allen another year after this? Uh, obviously, they made the right decision there with Jeff Linder, but... Speaking of Jeff Linder, uh, Jared, we've been talking a lot about him. I mean, this has been a year where if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And unfortunately, Jeff is dealing with uh, the loss of his father, right? Or not the loss of his father, excuse me. He's dealing with his father who has an illness right now down in Denver. Uh, hasn't been at practice much. Missed the Utah State game to be down there with him. Uh, asked Jeff about his dad after the CSU game in Fort Collins. Got very emotional talking about how his parents have been there for him and his parents have been there for all of his hopes and dreams and the least he can do is be there for them. So, um, you know, prayers up to him and his family going through a ton of stuff and it's just one more thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can't even make this stuff up anymore. It's just getting... Yeah, definitely it's a crazy. lot going on this season with everything with on the outside of the Cowboy program and behind the scenes as well. Oh, <laughs> it's been... Yeah. It's been exhausting. I'm trying to circle down here. Uh, to make matters worse, 13 days ago, Wyoming lost their lone basketball recruit of the 2023-24 season. That's Makai Williams. He announced via social media that he's reopening his recruitment. Of course, I'd like to announce that I'll be decommitting from the University of Wyoming and reopening my recruitment. I would like to thank the University of Wyoming coaching staff for the opportunity. Due to the recent changes, my family and I feel it is best for me to ask for the release from my letter of intent. Which means he's already signed. So the Cowboys need to release him from his letter. And, Jared, when this happened, you can't help but look at this and go, that guy's from Southern California. Yeah, with everything that's happened this season, I believe it's going to be hard for the Pokes to go into uh, Southern California and get players for a couple of years. Um, We'll see, I guess. (laughs) Only time will tell. But I think they're going to have to go elsewhere for, for a while. Well, in his comments, too, due to recent changes. What recent changes? Recent changes on his end or recent changes on Wyoming's end? Mm -hmm. Uh, You can read into that however you want. But, you know, since February 7th, we're not idiots here. We can read between the lines. Uh, Jeff Linder, since February 7th, has talked a lot about loyalty and talked a lot about guys giving a damn and a lot about guys showing up every day. And those guys that are still here in this locker room, I think we know who he's referring to. (laughs) Um, And he's made it abundantly clear. He got on a pedestal last week on a question I asked him, and he basically said, I'm not for everybody. And I think he was talking about the three transfers that that left uh, on February 8th. Uh, I think he's talking about them. And he says, you know, I'm not for everybody, but if you don't want to be coached, and you don't want to hear the truth, you're not going to like playing for me. Uh, basically, the cowboy up, ride for the brand, get back in the saddle, all these cliches. It's commendable, and when you hear him say that, you want to run through a wall in so many ways. But I can't help but think this is the same stuff we heard from Craig Bull when 15 players entered the transfer portal after the 2021 season. There's a fine line, isn't there? 
at this day and age? Anymore there is. And, I mean, the paper play uh, options that are out there now for all kids is so different than when you and I were in in school yeah, and stuff like that. I mean, there there's junior high and uh, early – you know, high school age kids that are flying around all over the country playing in tournaments. And yes, if you land, if, if your kid does land a scholarship, obviously that saves you a lot of money. But if you look back at the expenses of your kid, it's going to be dang near a wash. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I, I mean, that's, what's turned some of these, what the situation that there is right now of these kids and I'm, you know, playing for AAU coaches and some of them are package deals to go to college where the college might hire that coach as a special assistant just to get the kid. Yeah. And I know I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but I, I don't know. And I, it's not changing. I think the most simple way to put this in the most simple of terms is Craig Bull and Jeff Linder are having a really hard time with the fact that the ball is now in the player's court. Players now have leverage. They now have power. This isn't Craig Bowles, Nebraska, where you pull a guy around by their face mask and emasculate them in front of their teammates and and go completely berserk on them. They don't have to deal with that anymore. And I know we're in an old-school, blue-collar, cowboy state. We're used to that. We're used to, I think we all grew up that way to a degree, getting popped in the mouth. And, you know, sometimes you learn with a, with a smack to the face quicker than you learn with words. It just doesn't fly anymore. Does that mean we have to like it? No, but it doesn't work anymore. And Brian Hill ruffled a lot of feathers on Twitter when he mentioned that I love the transfer portal. Does that mean Brian would have transferred? I don't know. But he said, I love it. It gives us the power back. You can't, you don't have to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I commend Jeff for what he was saying, and it was really an emotional speech from him. But, dude, you can't, you know, he basically, in a nutshell, said, it's going to be my way or the highway no matter what. And I get it, but on the flip side, ugh, how you might not be able to, you probably can't have programs like that anymore. And basketball is a little different. There's only 13 scholarships on the men's side. Yeah. I mean, as you can see this season, there's only eight guys left on the roster that are playing. And Yeah. I mean, and if they need a ninth, there's one available there. But And he wouldn't burn a red shirt at this point. But I mean, that's all there is. <laughs> to me, you know, Coach keeps talking about dinosaurs and a dying breed when it comes to Hunter Maldonado and Hunter Thompson staying at a school for all these years and, and, and turning down op- other opportunities. But what's really a dinosaur is coaches that are tyrants. And I'm not saying Linder's a tyrant, but you cannot be tyrannical anymore. And I think, honestly, a guy that I was fortunate to cover for two years, Tom Izzo, once he's done, I think your tyrants are pretty much gone. And, yeah. and t- Tom, in a lot of ways, he's not a tyrant either. He demands a lot. But what I always appreciated about Tom is he, he, opened, his, uh, he opened his practices. He would peel paint. I mean, he would rip these kids to shreds, totally emasculate them, and they would walk out and be like, F you, I'm out of here. And then the whole team would run over and grab him and go, no, bro, we need you, we need you. Tom would still be in the corner. We don't need him. He's a pussy. Get out of here, you know. Uh, But Tom welcomed these guys getting in his face, telling him F you right back. He wanted a player-led team. Tom's goal is to sit there and practice with his arms crossed and watch. 
because the team's doing what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do and they know what they're supposed to do. Those are the successful teams that are player-led. And Coach said his best quote so far this season was, after these three California guys left, I don't have to coach effort anymore. That's the one thing you should never coach is effort. Not at this level. No. So that was very telling to me that he is not coaching effort any longer. And I think, Jared, we've seen it. I think the bottom of the barrel was that game at San Diego State where they weren't even comp- – or San Jose State, excuse me, where they weren't even competitive. 20-point yep. ass-whipping. The Spartans have beaten Wyoming three times in like 23 tries. They absolutely embarrassed the Cowboys that night. And the three guys were gone a couple days later. I'm not putting this whole thing on the three guys. You're never going to get me to do that. But there's been a noticeable difference with this team. And they haven't been wins, all wins. To be a fly in that locker room that oh, Saturday night, that could, Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Could you imagine? Oof. I think one of the most telling things, though, and I think you and I talked about it, Jared, during some of these recent games, you're seeing guys smile. Yeah, they're having fun. Yeah. And Odin is a guy that smiles all the time and do sell the same thing no matter what's going on. That's just their character. Yeah. But you can tell they're actually having fun now, Yeah, too. Yeah, it's a big, big shift. Speaking of Jeremiah Odin. Yeah. His last two games. He's been special. That's who we thought that Jeremiah Odin could be. Yeah. And he's been fun to watch, so. Yeah, he has. Let me look. It's been more than his last two. He's been... Uh, He's been really good. I got his stats pulled up right Yeah. Well, yeah, his last two especially. Against Nevada that night on senior night, he finished that game with a windmill dunk, breakaway dunk all by himself, which was a nice punctuation. 28 points that night against the Wolfpack, 9-13 from the field, perfect 3-for-3 three three from behind the arc. 17 last week against San Diego State. He was the leading scorer. He was the only one, really, aside from Ducell, who had 16, getting anything done in that game. At CSU and Utah State, those were seven-point games, but he had a 19-point game against Air Force before that, nine before that, and then four straight in double figures before that. And that was coming on the heels of a game where he scored three, two, and eight. Mm -hmm. So he's getting better and better, and I think he relied a lot on the three early in the season. Now he's driving, and that's what these guys want him to do. And he is so athletic, and he's going around guys that maybe appear more athletic and quicker, and he's just leaving them in the dust. So. Hopefully they just keep putting the film on of that Nevada game and say, Jeremiah, keep doing this. Yeah, really quick first step. You can do this against anybody. And I love that he's three for three from three. I like that. Stay in the three to five attempts Yeah, if if you're hot, you're hot. Yeah. If not, get away. Yeah, go for the (laughs) 10-foot jumper. (laughs) Yeah, go away. Or go for the dunk, whatever it may be. Absolutely. So Cowboys, Lobos, what, 5 p.m., 6 p.m.? I think 6 p.m. Wednesday night. Inside the Thomas and Mac, uh, that game will be televised. I think it's on CBS Sports. I think they have it. But uh, just check out 7220sports.com. We'll have all the info for you there. Uh, the first round games uh, on Wednesday are all on the Mountain West Network. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just. So, and that is 5 p.m. 5 p.m. It's showing here, 5 p.m. Local time. Yep. Or Wyoming time. Yep. Mountain time. And yep. Cowgirls. Real, yep. I was just going to say real quick the add. By the time this gets on the air out there, uh, uh, UNLV and Nevada will most likely have finished their game that's going on here shortly. Uh, and then in the next quarterfinal is New Mexico, San Diego State. And then uh, this evening at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, number two Wyoming against number 10 San Jose State. And the winner of that game will play Colorado State, Boise State winner. CSU Wyoming. 
Again. Wednesday. Um, <sighs> can I give a quick shout-out to the Please. Wyoming Cowboy golf team? Yeah. You don't hear them winning tournaments very often, but uh, they did over the over the weekend. Uh, um, so congratulations to Joe Jensen and the Cowboys uh, for winning that golf tournament. And that was the uh, the Wyoming Desert Intercollegiate. Yes, Wyoming did host that tournament. They host several tournaments, but they're always in in the desert or in uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, so and that one was in Palm Desert, California. Yep. I did notice too in that one um, the the release going up to that that they actually had like four or five top twenty five teams in that mm-hmm. in that bracket as well, which was like Fresno State, Utah, you know, well, uh, Colorado. Uh, some really good teams. They beat some really good teams. I was going to say, the Mountain West has one of the tougher golf conferences out there, too, with UNLV, San Diego State, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's evident uh, Kitayama won the the PGA tournament over the weekend, and he's a f- former UNLV guy. Mm. So I believe, too, if I read right yesterday, the Cowboy- that's the second tournament win for the Cowboys already this year. Yeah, they had one in the fall and now one in the spring season. Yeah, so. that's great. Yep. How about wrestling? Uh, they had – an improved showing at the Big 12 championships over the weekend. Uh, there was, I want to say there was three uh, guys that beat wrestlers that they had lost to previously in the season. Mm-hmm. And they, they really showed up and, and wrestled well. Uh, they, uh, six Cowboys earned top eight finishes. Um, and uh, Jacob Wright led the way, uh, re- uh, finishing third. Um, at the 157-pound weight class, and he lost in the semifinals to a to a guy in overtime, so he had a chance to go to the finals, just didn't quite get it done. But uh, there are um, four guys that uh, finished in the top eight in their respective weight classes entering the weekend unseated. So wow. they, they wrestled really well, and um, it's been a long trying season for them as well. A lot of things going on behind the scenes. Their their best guy transfers before the season starts, or right when the season starts, and a lot of injuries and things like that. So, have any, did any of them qualify for the NCAA? Uh, there there are three so far. Um, there's a chance at a couple of at large selections. Those are um, tomorrow, March seventh. Uh, so we'll see if there's any more that'll go. But Jor Volk at 125 pounds. Uh, Jacob Wright at 157 and Cole Moody at 165 um, will go to uh, back to Tulsa at the BOK Center to compete in the NCAA championships March 16th through the 18th and maybe one or two more. You never know. Nice. Good. Yeah, I know. I read some quotes from uh, Mark Branch before this saying, hey, we've been the underdog all year. It's time to go in there and punch some guys in the mouth and we have nothing to lose and nobody's expecting anything from us. So let's just go in loose and get it on. And sounds like that's exactly what they did. So good for them. Congratulations to them. Um, uh, just a quick rundown of the men's bracket real quick, the full bracket. Uh, Wednesday is when the, the men's tournament starts. Basketball, of course, inside the thompson Mack Center. Uh, number eight, Colorado State versus number nine, Fresno State, which, by the way, did you see Fresno State put 100 on Chicago State in the finale? What? How the hell did that happen where you're playing Chicago State in the finale? Chicago State played somebody else like on Thursday or Wednesday too. I I don't know if there were some makeup games from earlier in the year or if they were just fill-ins. Hmm. I, I don't know. Weird. That was like the SEC playing their sacrificial lamb before, their, uh, before it gets down to the nitty-gritty. 
Uh, but number eight, CSU versus number nine, Fresno State. And then the uh, host team, of course, UNLV, number seven seed, playing Air Force, the number 10. Then it's New Mexico and Wyoming, number six versus 11. Uh, the winner of that CSU-Fresno game gets San Diego State. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> Thursday, Nevada and San Jose State will play. I'm really excited for that game. I really think San Jose State can get past them. I would love to see San Jose State play San Diego State. Um, really like that Spartans team. They've been really fun this year. Uh, winner of UNLV Air Force gets Boise State, the number two seed. And then, of course, uh, the winner of the Wyoming-New Mexico game takes on the Aggies of Utah State. And I'm looking, San Diego State did remain in the polls this week, even though they did uh, lose um, Boy, earlier in the week. they choked that one away. They did. They didn't State. score in, what, the last six minutes? Yeah, brutal. Uh, but they're number 20 in both the AP and the coaches' poll entering the tournament. They are really good, and that's not a surprise to anybody, but eight seniors gone. And I know San Diego State can reload, but that's a lot of production. But they reloaded with the transfers last year, and they still produced. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a chance to open things up. And, and one thing I wanted to bring up, too, Sundance Wicks filled in, of course, the assistant for the Cowboys. He filled in for Jeff Linder during his press conference last week uh, with Jeff dealing uh, with his ailing father down in Denver, of course. Uh, Sundance, I asked him, Sundance, do you like to, you know, Sonny, do you like to, to daydream like I do and think about the fact that, you know, if all the guys come back that should or could come back next year, Basically, I'm saying everybody except for Maldonado and Thompson. Everybody comes back, plus you add the chip on the shoulder that no doubt manifested itself over this nine-win season. He smiled and said, uh, I like to daydream, <laughs> and said, uh, yeah, um, every player on this team should have a chip. And he mentioned that everybody should you know, the guys should come back and ride for the brand and all that, all the cliches, threw all that out, but said these guys should come back. They should want to come back and finish what they started and put this disgusting taste out of their mouth. If every one of those dudes comes back next year, you have to think the Cowboys are an early front runner, and, and to me, the talent's there, but you can't measure what this chip on the shoulder should be. <laughs> they should be one pissed off motivated group coming into next year and then on the flip side if things don't turn out and they come out i'm going to ask jeff lender this week does it excite you the fact that i mean guys he could potentially have six to eight to nine scholarships to fill i know you'd be bummed about all the guys you would lose in that process but on the flip side you can't forget jeff lender pulled the number one recruiting class in the mountain west conference over zoom calls during covid so maybe that's one where a coach goes, you know what, fresh slate, now I have this whole world open to me. I learned my lesson in the transfer portal last year. There will be no package deals. Uh, but we're going to go out and we're going to hit it hard, and I'm going to show you. I mean, that dude is competitive as it gets. So I think it would suck in so many ways, but on the flip side, I think he'd be really excited about the potential to go grocery shopping. Isn't that what uh, Bill Parcells once famously <laughs> said? <laughs> he gets yep. to go shopping for the groceries. I think he would like that. Um, and quick segue to more March Madness stuff. Uh, we do have a contest going on on all of our sites, uh, but why not go to 7220sports.com, go into the menu bar up top, you'll see it. It just says Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. Enter to win. Uh, the best bracket um, will win season football and cowboy basketball tickets for next season. Um, now, now, if you have a perfect bracket, you do win the million dollars. <laughs> 
I've never filled out a bracket. You don't watch movies and you don't fill out brackets. And I've never done fantasy football or gambled on a game. I've gambled on games like in person at the yeah. sports book, but not on well, the phone. The fantasy football thing, the, who cares about that? But Yeah. But you... I've been watching a lot of movies lately, but they're all movies I've already seen. Big fan of comedies. Hey, I'm glad <laughs> that you find Kyle talked you in to watching The Last Dance Home. Yeah, it's really good. I'm glad. Actually, I haven't watched episode 10 yet, but I'd imagine it's really good. I love... <laughs> Love that he went to play baseball. I know a lot of people hate that, but I and I forgot so many things that Scottie Pippen gave up on the team late in that game and didn't refuse to come yeah. in. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. What happens if the strike doesn't happen in Major League Baseball? Yep. Michael Jordan maybe doesn't come back. Yeah, uh, and and then to hear all these guys saying, you know, Terry Francona, a very respected baseball man, saying he gets fifteen hundred plate appearances, he's making it to the majors. Dude drove in 50 runs in his first year after not playing baseball from age 17 to 31. Couldn't hit a curveball, though. No, he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't. But that was really unfair what Sports Illustrated put on the front of their cover. That yeah. He's an embarrassment to baseball and stuff. Give me a break. Well, what he did to make, to minor league baseball, though, was fill those ballparks. He sure did. They made money. And the team that he got to travel with, they loved it because they were actually driving in luxury he on, got the, a new bus. on that bus. Yeah. That was incredible. And I'm sure he lost a lot of money to those guys playing cards, yeah. too, and whatever else he did. I bet those guys had so much fun that year. And you know what? I bet Jordan had more fun than any of those guys, just being a dude. Yeah. Just being one of the dudes. And you're not around a bunch of egotistical millionaires. You're hanging out with a bunch of dudes. I bet that was. I bet if you ask Michael Jordan, those were the greatest years of his life in so many ways. Uh, but, man, his competitiveness and stuff, it's just its infectious, man. He, I, I was talking to Kyle about it last night. How do you... LeBron's not even in this conversation. It's a totally different game. Look at how bad the Detroit Pistons used to pound everybody who came in the paint. Yep. You don't do that anymore, ever, and that's why it's unwatchable. Uh, we are also want to want to throw this out before we uh, hang up here. Um, we are doing the villains feature that we did during football. Uh, the the uh, who are the biggest villains in Wyoming basketball history. Uh, we did it before the 2020 football season. Lavelle Edwards uh, was was voted the biggest creep alive, uh, most disliked figure to ever face the Cowboys. Um, we we had it was too broad, I think, last time. We we had different dudes. We even had a commissioner, a former whack commissioner, in that and stuff. I think this time it's going to do us uh, a big favor by we are literally talking about players and coaches who've coached against the Cowboys. And we can all agree that Dave Hall would make this list if we went down that yes. road, but we're not going to. And we can go down that road, but everybody I've asked, okay, I know you hate the damn officials. Name one game specifically that this guy effed up. And they can't do it. It's more of everything. He's been it's around consistent. since Antonio Davis and John Summers got in a fight in 1988 right. in the arena. It's been consistently inconsistent, no doubt yeah. about it. But I... I need you to name me one instance <laughs> where he screwed the Cowboys. And and that's where you can say a Danny Ainge and say some of these guys. Like you can say, hey, this dude dropped 50 one night against the Cowboys in the Marriott Center and, you know, stuff like that. This might be too much information, but when I did work in the department, I knew for a fact that he would eat a hot dog at halftime. <laughs> He's the one with the terrible rug, right? No. 
Who am I thinking of? What's the other guy's name that everybody hates? With frosty tips? <laughs> it looks like the guy has a rug. I could have swore it was Dave Hall. No, uh uh-uh. So that, I take a lot of pride in that, Jared, and, and fans might be cringing right now, but I don't know refs' names, and I don't want to know their names. I'm not B.J. Reigns. I'm not giving you their kin palm ratings for officials. I don't, I don't care who they are. Just go. I don't. In other words, I'm not blaming the officials unless it's completely egregious. And I will say that's the one thing that sucked about Senior Night. What was there? 43 fouls called in that game on Senior Night in Laramie. It just makes the game unwatchable. Oh, it's. And with re- replays now, it's like it's they want the game to be about them. It's so bad. Yeah, and Jeff Grammer hashtag drink. Yeah, keep it going. God, Dude, it's fun. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, so we're talking players and coaches. Uh, Rick Majerus is one that came to mind immediately. Uh, he had some epic battles against the Cowboys over all those years, plus being the big fat guy in the sweater. I know the fans used to like giving him giving him a hard time. And I forgot to look up to confirm, but I believe he only won one time in Laramie. Really? Yes. That would say something. But it's about him going over to the scorer's table, pounding his fist, knocking the phone. Back in the day, there yes, there was a phone there off the receiver and everything he says about Laramie uh, or said about Laramie at that time and he would just go pound food at the Calvaryman <laughs> yeah. or there I think there was another time that somebody commented that he not only ordered one order for himself he ordered three of a certain item <laughs> and demolished it <laughs> and another guy commented I forgot about this six man club t-shirt back in the day you know fill in the line uh, type of a deal that which was a great shirt and they they used to uh, chant fat man in a little sweater uh, I had I made t-shirts when I was a student and instead of doing a t-shirt one time I made a rally towel back in the day when it was BYU and Utah coming in the same so that people could use them the same weekend yeah and one was a screw BYU thing on one side and the other one was uh, uh, the bald buffer yeah that's so, awesome <laughs> Didn't he do something cool once, though, where he came out in a yellow sweater or something in support of trying to get the Wyoming fans behind him or something? That was in the WAC tournament, tournament. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's cool that he played to everything. And, you know, I got to admit, folks, I'm very confident in a lot of my Wyoming football history knowledge, but basketball, I'm still pretty... Uh, pretty green, I guess you could say, when it comes to the history, the the overall history of Wyoming basketball. Um, but something that I've enjoyed is hearing some of these people you've already thrown out, uh, reading about Frank Arnold at, at BYU and how during timeouts he would point in the crowd and tell the cops, go get that guy, go get that guy, and, and then calling Wyoming fans despicable and stuff. I mean, what an idiotic thing to do, especially in the old field house. I am at I, what I would have given to watch a game in the old field. Yeah, house. fans heating up pennies and yeah. flipping them out on the court. Danny Ainge and those guys. Yeah, I read about all of that, like taking tweezers and a penny and lighting it on fire, or you know, torching it and then throwing it at the team. And I when we it. first talked about this, the the first ones that come to mind is Roger Reed, coach at BYU, and his two sons, Robbie and Randy. Yeah, there used to be some. Stuff that you can't say today for sure <laughs> that were being said every time they touched the ball. Unless you're Oregon student section. Uh, I don't know if they can get away with it anymore. <laughs> but it, it was it was pretty bad. And um, it's 
it, this whole list is gonna be it's gonna be hard for us to pare down to 16 yeah i'm excited about it I, i've really enjoyed learning some of these names and the guy's name is going to slip my mind of course but a former new mexico coach uh who was something burger or something like that um Somebody sent me an email yeah, about I, him. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And he got in trouble for doctoring grades and getting JUCO guys, and he actually won a few few WAC titles. And, and he wore, like, turquoise rings and turquoise necklaces and kind of had long hair and a mustache and just I, was I love not the lovable. one that came up was Snake. Yes, yeah, Snake. The in, infamous uh, <laughs> New Mexico fan that has more tattoos than you, I believe. Uh, yes, many more. And uh, but he he's he's actually a good fan. He just razzes the opposing teams when they come up and down that tunnel, though. And they put him right next to the visiting bench. Yep. Yeah, no, good for them. Yeah, he has he's our barrel man. Yes, <laughs> which I guarantee to you, barrel man's uh, in the parking lot at Thomas and Mack Center as we speak. He's down there just rolling his hand ready to go and he's get he doesn't have his barrel on yet but come about four o'clock he'll have it on he'll just pace back and forth and that that baseline oh i have to tell i don't know if i want to tell all this now but i actually drove to boise idaho for a wyoming boise state game with the barrel man and i lived to tell about it you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got fired that day. My girlfriend at the time was like already not crazy about that idea. But when we got in the back seat and we had a barrel between us the whole ride to uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, she was very unhappy. And guess how long? And Cowboy had a girlfriend at the time as well. So uh, she was drinking Pepsi in the front seat like it was going out of style. Guess where our first bathroom break was on our trip from Cheyenne, Wyoming to Boise, Idaho? Arlington. Not even close. <laughs> Buford? A little further than Buford. Okay, Laramie then. Oh, no, the... Lincoln Monument. No way. Yeah, I have never seen so many bathroom breaks in all my days. And Cowboy would go change into a new pair of sweatpants in every bathroom at every rest stop we went to. It took us 19 hours, probably. Cody. Way too much information. (laughs) It took about 19 hours to get there, and I kept looking over his shoulder going, why are you going 68 miles an hour? Like, hit it. This drive sucks. Hit it. And uh, we kept stopping, and his girlfriend kept going, cowboy, I got to go to the bathroom again. And it was, we made like five stops (laughs) in Wyoming alone. And the worst part was right when we got to Boise, he kept stopping for gas, too, even though we were only like a quarter down. So my head's about to explode. We're not even out of Wyoming yet. My head's about to explode. So we get to Boise, and my girlfriend and I are like, oh, my God. We just, that was a traumatic experience. Oh, my God. We, got a, we went out and partied and stuff. The next day, Cowboy knocks on our hotel room door and goes, hey, you guys want to ride to the stadium? And it was hours before. And we said, yeah, sure. We'll go find a bar. So we get in the car, pull out of the, dry, out of the parking lot of the hotel, and he looks down at his gas tank and goes, well, better top her off. Had three quarters of a tank still. Stopped to top it off where we could see the stadium. We jumped out of the car and got a cab. And we I, I'll never forget my girlfriend at the time saying, we're getting a flight home. I hope he leaves us here. We're getting a flight. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. We will have somebody pick us up at DIA. Where There's no way we're doing this. And did you? Uh, we did. We No, we drove home with Cowboy. And uh, he, he remembered us, uh, which there's another story behind where we thought he might leave us because he did leave me for a game once. Uh, but... 
uh, on the way home, of course, we're hungover as hell. We partied all weekend. We get in the car. We both pass out immediately. We wake up, and it seems like we're hours into this drive. We wake up, and we're in a parking lot of a Golden Corral. And I said, man, we're at least hours down the road. Thank God, man. We slept through a lot of that. And then finally, Cowboy and his girlfriend came out, and I said, where are we? Oh, we're still in Boise. I was going to say Pocatello, at least. <laughs> nope. Still in, we were in South Boise. And then uh, on the way home, still going 68 miles an hour, still going to the bathroom. I tell him, hey, can you at least find the Broncos game? He goes one click at a time with the radio. Like, hit tune. Hit tune, dude. I'm at the end of my rope at this point. Then we get to Laramie. It starts dumping rain, like pouring buckets. I look over his shoulder. He's going 85 miles an hour up the summit. And I said, Cowboy, what the hell are you doing? And he was like, oh, you said you wanted me to speed up and hurry up. And I'm like, it was the longest weekend of my life, Jared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the longest weekend. I don't have any words for you right life. now. I'm really, I'm oh. not even sorry. I'm, I'm just <laughs> mystified. I can't believe I didn't get dumped after that trip. I can't believe you would tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the time he ditched me for the Utah game, that, uh, that about... I about ended the uh, I about ended the uh, run of of Cowboy Ken after I got ditched for a Wyoming Utah game in Salt Lake City once. We'll talk about that. Well, some we other apologize time. for the length of this. We may have broke a record here. Yep. But it's been a while. For yep. One, a yep. lot of news going on. Yep. And Cody's heading to Vegas, so yep. we won't have another one this week. But we'll certainly be back on the airways with you next week. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be in Denver at the NCAA tournament. Boom. Gotta have hope. I have hope. We'll see you next week.